good to be with you this morning. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord? Doesn't it feel good? Doesn't it feel good to be in God's house? Amen and amen. I want to preach to you this morning. I, uh, you know, my nature is probably a little more preachy, but every once in a while you get, uh, a little, I'm, I'm, I'm more apt to teach than I am to preach, but every once in a while the Lord will give you a preachy kind of message. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And I feel like I have a word of the Lord for you this morning. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to Hebrews chapter 10. You can remain seated this morning. They're going to put it on the overhead for us. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 39. And I'm going, to, I'm going to read out of a different version than I normally do. This morning, I'm going to read out of the message version because whenever I study, I like to have three or four different versions in front of me. And I felt like this version was able to really kind of convey what it was I wanted to get across to you this morning, what I felt in my heart. And it's an encouraging word. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 through 39. Remember those early days after you first saw the light? Those were the hard times. When you were kicked around in public, you were targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you, other days it was your friends. If some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile knowing they couldn't touch your real treasure. Somebody say amen. Nothing they did bothered you. Nothing set you back. So don't throw it all away now. Somebody say amen. amen. You were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing. But you need to stick it out. Staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on his way. He'll show up most any minute. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. Say loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we're not quitters who lose out. Oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and it is good to be in your house. So we just pray, Lord that you would be with us this morning, God, that this word would just touch hearts and minds, that we would be encouraged, that we would be challenged, that we would be stretched, but more importantly, God, that we would become more and more like you every day. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. amen. I want to tell you this morning that your reward is coming. Your reward is coming. I know it might not seem like it. I know it might not feel like it. But your reward in serving the Lord is coming. It is a sure thing according to the text that I just read you. It's coming because of God's grace. It's coming because of God's mercy. It's coming because of God's faithfulness. It's coming because of our prayers. It's coming because of our worship. It's coming because of our praise. It's going to result in a reward for our lives. And I'm not talking about us earning God's favor, earning salvation. I simply mean to show that according to the word of God, that God is a rewarder of his people. God rewards good choices and everybody said amen. In your life, you have to make choices every day and choices have consequences. This is something that most every one of us try and teach our kids while they're young. That there isn't going to be, there isn't always going to be this safety net that's going to keep them from experiencing the consequences of their choices. In fact, life is formed from our choices. How many of you know that is to be true? There's one famous saying that it goes like this. It says, we make our choices and then our choices make us. One writer talked about what's known as the 1% rule. The 1% rule is this idea that over time, the majority of the rewards in a given field will accumulate to the people, the teams, the churches, or the organizations that maintain a 1% advantage over the alternatives. My point in bringing this up is to say this. 
Just small, tiny, little bitty choices can make a huge difference in the long haul. The point I want you to understand is, is that often in life, success and failure is not determined by these huge sweeping decisions and choices that we make. In fact, most of life is determined by these little bitty choices. Little bitty choices in front of you every day that you have to make that makes all of the difference in the long run. In fact, the Bible points out a parallel truth in Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15 where it talks about even the little foxes spoil the vine. Little bitty things can have a huge impact over time. The small choices that we make today will either set you up or they will hinder your tomorrow. How many of you know that to be true? And at the time, the choices we make may not seem that important, but they will set into motion a series of events that will ultimately impact not just ourselves, but it will impact those that we love. The choices you make will impact yourself, it will impact your family, your children, your grandchildren, it'll impact your finances, it will impact your health, it will impact your friends, it will impact your church. On and on I could go. There is a powerful lie that has deluded many people today into thinking that the choices that we make really don't have any consequences or affect other people. In other words, this lie says something like this. It's my life. I'll live my life how I want to live it. It's none of your business since it doesn't affect you. And I want to say that that statement is true to an extent. But don't think for one second that ultimately your choices, even the small ones, even the small choices in life, won't impact those around you to some degree. How many of you know that to be true? There's the story of Moses. That gives a great example of what I'm talking about. Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2 talk a lot about Moses' parents. And they were confronted with a tough situation. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had made an edict. And if you can imagine this, he wanted to abort an entire generation of Hebrews. He made an edict that they were to throw all of the young Hebrew boys into the Nile... But here you had Moses' parents' decision that they could either comply with the rule of Pharaoh or that they could choose to follow the best interest of their son. They made a choice to defy Pharaoh's order and they hid Moses in the bulrushes along the Nile in order to protect him. And they set it up so that ultimately Pharaoh's own family would ultimately see Moses and that hopefully he would be brought into Pharaoh's court. Moses' parents understood that they had a choice to make, but that there would be consequences. Their choice meant risk. That if Pharaoh found out what they had done, that he would probably kill them, he would kill Moses, and he would kill the rest of their family. But I want you to understand they made a choice. They chose not to listen to the mightiest king of the land, but instead they chose to listen to the king of kings and the Lord of Lords instead. And because of their one decision, hear me now, because of their one decision, a great leader, a great prophet, a great deliverer named Moses rose up to, to liberate Israel in due time. And I want to just simply say and hit the pause button for just a second. That should say something to us as parents. How many of you are parents in the house? That the choices you make do impact your children and your children's children. That's a mic drop moment. I could just drop the mic and walk off and be done for the day. That is true. What you do does impact your family, your children, and your children's children. If we choose the things of God, if we as parents will choose the things of God, what do I mean? I'm talking about coming to church. If we choose to worship, if we choose to make the word of God important in our lives, if we choose to bring them to youth group, well, I don't want to go to youth group tonight. It's been a long day. I don't care if you want to come or not. You're going to youth group. You all are quiet. 
I don't want to go to youth group. Tonight. I don't care if you want to come. It's the right thing to do. We want you to learn about the Lord. You're going to go. Y'all are quiet. I know I'm, I know I'm doing good then. You know it's important to come to kids' church. Well, my kids cry all the time. So what? Let them cry in kids' church. They're going to cry somewhere. They can cry in there just as good as they can in your arms. Is this okay this morning? It's important that the things that you find important, they have an impact on your children. If it's important to us, odds are it will be important to them. Even Moses had choices to make. As an adult, he had choices to make that they could stay in Egypt and he could be a part of the Egyptian court. Effectively, he was an adopted son of Pharaoh, which meant that he had money, he had power, he had status, he had ease, he had authority. He could have all of that, but no, he chose to be with the people of God, his own people. Both Moses' choice and his parents' choice took great faith because they would have consequences. And let me say this, that choosing to follow after God takes great faith because you will be confronted to either do one of two things. You will obey God and his commands or you will compromise. Those are the two options. And when you're confronted by God with a command or you're confronted by God with a word, you have a choice. You'll either comply with God or you will compromise. One writer put it like this. He said, you're either going to comply with the spiritual or you'll compromise with the carnal. How many of you know that's true? You're either going to comply with God's will or you're going to comply with man's will and man's way of doing things. Moses obviously complied with the Lord. He didn't comply with Pharaoh. He forsook the easy life of Egypt and all that it could have afforded him. He refused all of the privileges of Egypt. Think on that for just a second. How many of us would have done that? He chose the hard life. And can I tell you that we have the same kind of choices to make today? Whose camp do you choose to be a part of? Do you choose to be a part of the camp of the suffering Savior? Or that of the ease of sin and selfishness? Which camp are we going to be a part of? Let me remind you what the text said. Don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing. But you need to stick it out. Staying with God's plan so that you'll be there for the promised completion. It's coming. It won't be long now. He's on his way. He'll show up at any moment. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. Say loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we're not quitters who lose out. Oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that promise right there. It's still a sure thing. Let me just get right down to where we live. Some things in life, you just have to stick out. Some things in life, there is not going to be this miraculous deliverance like we want there to be. Some things in life, you just have to stick out. Inconveniences, struggles, problems, hardships. On and on we could go. Some things, you just have to stick out. You have to make the choice to trust God and to do so might result in short-term suffering, but it will ultimately result in long-term blessing. How many of you are interested in the long haul? The long haul, amen? I hope you realize that by now in serving the Lord, you might have to suffer a little while. In serving the Lord, you might have to suffer a little while. You say, well, Josh, I've been suffering a lot of things for a long time. Yeah, but I'm talking about the grand scheme of things. I'm talking about the overarching scheme of things. It's just a drop in the bucket compared to the long haul that God's got in mind for us. Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. He said, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. 
the stuff that you are suffering through and going through now, it will actually be reflected in glory of God in you in heaven one day. Let me, let me just get it down to you like this. That when you get to heaven one day, there's going to be people walking around all over the place that you won't even be able to hardly look in the eye. Why is that? Because the glory of God will be manifested in their lives. That's what the scripture points out. That the glory of God will be manifest. You said, well, give me a biblical example of that. How about when Moses come off the mountaintop? And he had been in the presence of God and the glory of God shone on him. Why? Because he had been in such close proximity to the very presence of God. They couldn't look at Moses, not because of who Moses was, but because of God that was on him. And can I tell you, when you get to heaven one day, the sufferings that you are now enduring aren't worthy of the glory that's going to be compared in you. This is the nature of life for things to be hard and difficult. Things in life are going to be inconvenient, but it's not going to be like this forever. We will not quit as the children of God. We are not going to lose out. God is a sure thing. The reward is coming. You see, some of you feel like you're, you're paying this huge price right now, but you're going to get to play later. You're going to have all of eternity to be in the presence of the Lord. And in eternity, when you look back and you, you see the things that you endured and you went through, you're going to say, it was all worth it. Every bit of it was worth it. You might be crying a little bit now, but, but it's better than crying a whole lot later. I'd rather cry my tears now and enjoy eternity forever. Come on, somebody. Is anybody in the house today know what I'm talking about? You might suffer a little pain in the here and now to prevent greater pain in the future. You're paying a price now to enjoy things in the future. If you work out at all, you know what I'm talking about. You've got to endure the pain. You've got to endure the suffering of that so that you, 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 you prevent future health issues. You're in better health. And so you're paying a price now for a better future. What about shots? How many of you hate shots? I think of the flu shot. They're of the devil. I mean, I know they've got a good point, but you go in and you get your flu shot and it hurts and then it's sore for days after that. But I'll do the shot. Why? Because I want to prevent something worse off in the future. I'll endure a little bit of pain and discomfort now for a better future. And sometimes serving God, let me just be honest with you, sometimes serving God means pain now but it means prevention in the future. Is this okay? We have to stick it out. We got to stay with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. Tell your neighbor, say, stick it out. Listen, you might be hurting right now, but you got to stick it out. You might, be, you might have cried this very morning, but you got to stick it out to some degree. You might be wondering, why am I here? Is it even worth it? Yes, it's worth it. Stick it out. You might be bored with all this church stuff. It's just routine. It's just normal this. It's just normal. No, stick it out. Some of you are saying, Josh, I've come to church after time, after time, after time. Nothing. Just stick it out. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that God has not forgotten your labor of love, according to Hebrews chapter 6. So you got to keep on working. You got to keep on serving. You got to keep on coming. You got to keep on giving and ultimately watch God move on your behalf. Somebody say amen in the house. Part of understanding what you're going through and why it's worth it can be revealed in a principle about Moses' life. Moses' very name, the very name Moses means drawn out. That's what his name means. But listen, God did not draw him out just, just to rescue him for the sake of just drawing him out. He drew him out of the waters of the Nile. He ultimately drew him out of Egypt so that Moses could help others be drawn out. And I want to put it to you like this. You are not blessed just so that you can walk around in ease, but you are blessed to be a blessing. You are favored so that you can do some favors for others. Your breakthroughs in life are to serve as an example for others' breakthroughs in their life. 
And the, the Bible says this, that he is the God of all comfort who knows how to comfort all of us in our trouble. Is anybody thankful for that in the house? He comforts you so that you can be a comforter and you can help them stick it out. The Bible says this, that you are a living epistle read by all men. What kind of a book are you? What kind of an epistle are you? What kind of testimony is being read from your life? What does your life's epistle say about the God that you serve? Moses saw something unbelievable. He saw a burning bush, which wasn't uncommon in that time. That's no big deal. But what was unique is that it was a bush that was not consumed. It was on fire, but it didn't burn up. This intrigued him a little bit. So he decided, hmm, I'm going to go take a look and look and see what this strange thing is all about. And as he got closer to this bush, God called out to him. And can I tell you this, that sometimes it's only when you draw near to God that you're able to hear him speak. Here's the truth. Maybe the reason some of you are in a dry, dry spell right now is because God is using it to draw you closer to him. God set something on fire to intrigue you, to draw you in to a level of intimacy with him. Can I tell you, God doesn't like to yell. He's not a Pentecostal preacher. He has a still, small voice. So that means if you're going to hear him, you've got to get close to him. Could it be that it's not that God is not speaking in your life, it's just that you're not close enough to hear him? Could it be that you've not drawn close enough to the Lord in intimacy? Let me talk a little bit more about Moses. In fact, according to the book of Exodus, Pharaoh told Moses, he said, okay, he said, you can, you can worship. Y'all know the story. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, we need to go off into the wilderness. We need to worship the Lord there. And, and, and Pharaoh thought about it. And he said, nah, I, I don't know. He said, okay, I'm going to let you worship, but you've got to do it right here in the land of Egypt. And let me just hit this pause button and tell you, when it comes to serving the Lord, he expects complete obedience. How many of you parents know what I'm talking about? How many of you love it when your kids just do half of what you told them to do? Didn't think so. See, Moses was instructed by God to leave Pharaoh and go into the wilderness with the Jews and worship there, but Pharaoh wanted Moses to compromise and worship God in the land. Partial obedience is not obedience at all. See, we want almost, we, we almost expect God to give us an explanation of everything that's going on in our lives before we'll obey him. God, you owe me an explanation. I'm your child, so I expect you to tell me everything. How many of you ever had a kid come up and say, I want an explanation about something? Mm. How many of you parents have ever told your kids, I'm your parent, I don't have to tell you anything? I don't have to tell you a thing. And can I tell you that many of us, we put God on the stand. We, we, put, we put God in a bind where we say, okay, God, I'll be obedient, but, but I, I'm going to take your orders under advisement. God, I hear you telling me this, but let me just talk it out a little bit. Let me get some advice here. Or maybe we come up with these things where we say, okay, God, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it under protest. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to be mad, and I'm going to let you know I'm mad the whole time. See, partial obedience is not obedience at all. The sign of real Christian maturity is obeying God even without his explanation. Because, why is this? Because part of the Hebrew te Hebrews text that I read to you, it answers this dilemma when it said this. Get what it said. It said, but anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. Where is loyalty in the house of God anymore? Loyalty to the things of God. Loyalty to the house of God. Loyal to the people of God. The real reason people have partial obedience in their life is because they don't really trust God. They don't really trust Him. They'll trust Him this far, but then they want an explanation. 
They'll trust him this far, but then we got to get a little advice. And that impacts the kind of rewards and blessing in our life. But God is looking for a loyal, trusting people. Listen, can I tell you that obeying God doesn't always make sense. And if you refuse to obey, you're going to miss miracles. Can I tell you that God wants to work miracles in the lives of his people? And if you would just obey him, even when it seems stupid, even when it seems crazy, even when you say, well, Josh, two and two is four, but in this case, it doesn't make any sense. But God said to go this route. Go with God. And it don't matter if the math doesn't add up. God will perform a miracle in your life if he has to. You see, Abraham followed God not knowing where. Hannah followed God not knowing when. Mary followed God not knowing how. Joseph followed God not knowing why. And you don't have to know all the things. All you have to know is that it's going to be worth it to stick it out with God. You have a loyal trust in God. It's going to be worth it to stick it out with God according to the scripture. Moses told Pharaoh, he said, no. He said, we're not going to worship in this land. He said, we have to go into the wilderness. He knew the value of separating from the influence of Egypt. Did you know that the name Egypt, it literally means worldliness? That's literally what it means. Egypt means worldly, worldliness. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says this, Come out from among and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing and I will welcome you. That should address the church of today. It speaks of holiness. Holiness, is this okay? Is it okay to, to just talk a little bit about holiness for just a minute? You see, holiness says, I don't just go anywhere. Holiness says, you know, that thing right there might not in and of itself be wrong, but I don't even want to have, uh, be, be leveled, you know, of living a life of reproach. I want to live above reproach. I don't even want there to be any kind of confusion. That's a holy life. Holiness says, you know what? I don't just look at anything. I'm stomping toes right now, ain't I? I'm sorry. Not really. Holiness says, I'm not just going to say anything and everything. And this is where people say, oh, Josh, but what about grace? What, what, about, what about grace? Grace has never been a license to sin and act like a fool in the face of God. It was never that. That was never its intended purpose to give you a pass so you could act like a fool. Holiness is not a cultural thing. Holiness is not an Old Testament thing. Holiness is not even a church thing. It's not an old-fashioned thing. It's a God thing. And God said, be holy, for I am holy. You can't be holy without the help of the Holy Spirit. And that means you have to position yourself. Let, let, me, let me hit on this for just a minute. You, if you're going to live a holy life in the here and now, it means that you have to intentionally position yourself to allow him to help you be holy. Holiness is something that happens on the inside and works its way to the outside. You can do all of the external faking holy things, and Jesus called them nothing but whitewashed tombs, but until there's been an internal transformation, there won't be any transformation on the outside. The fact is, and I, I'm just going to get real with you, it is hard to live a holy life. It is. Some of you are like, well, that just shot every sermon I've had. I was just told if you get in the presence of God for 10 or 15 minutes, you can. Let me tell you something. It's hard to live a holy life sometimes. You don't believe me getting Popper Bluff traffic every once in a while. It's like little Chicago out there on some days. It's hard to live a holy life. But God's looking for a people in a generation that say, I'd rather fight to live holy than to cave in and live dirty. Did you hear what I said? They said, I would rather fight to live holy. It's a fight. It is a struggle to do right sometimes. It isn't always convenient. It isn't always, well, I'm just overwhelmed with the Holy Ghost today and this is just walking around on a bed of flood. No, sometimes you've got to dig it out to do right. 
How can we say that? Because the text points out, but we're not quitters who lose out. We'll stay with it. We'll survive trusting God all the way, according to the text that we read. And a people that listens to the inner, inner voice of the Holy Ghost will not compromise on filth. They won't compromise on junk. They won't take the easy way out of doing things the way the world does. God is looking for a people that said, I would rather honor God than compromise with the enemy. God is looking for a people that says, I'm going to stick it out with God and stay with God so I can see his plan through to completion. It feels like in this day and time, more so than ever before, the enemy is after everybody's commitment and dedication. I'm going to say that again. It feels like in this day and time, more so than ever, the enemy is after everybody's commitment and dedication. We hear excuses like, oh, don't worry about your commitment. Everybody breaks them. You didn't sign any paper. You didn't put your name down on it. It don't matter. You didn't shake their hand. Is this okay? Everybody just, evidently it ain't, but I'm going to say it anyway. Everybody just breaks their, like it ain't no big deal, like your word don't matter anything anymore. Listen, this world says, don't worry about keeping your word to God and others. After all, it's nobody else's business. Nobody else keeps their word, so just join the crowd. It's no big deal. Don't worry about coming to church on a regular basis. It really won't impact your walk with the Lord. Grace, grace, grace. Don't worry about being sold out to God. Don't worry about missing your devotions. Don't worry about missing prayers and Bible reading. Let somebody else lead that ministry. After all, you've got kids and you're busy. Let somebody else work that ministry. Don't get too serious. Is this okay? After all, you've prayed the sinner prayer. You're saved. Just slow down. Just ride it out until you get to heaven. That's where the world is. No, 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 no. Peter said this. And he said to pursue righteousness and flee the lust. Let me, let me give you an illustration of something. When you're pursuing righteousness, you are automatically going to flee lust. If righteousness is over here, that means lust is going to be over here because lust and righteousness, they're not going to camp around the same area. So that, here's what I'm saying. If you feel yourself drawn to this, what you need to do is you need to turn your back on the lust and you need to start pursuing Jesus. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to pursue righteousness and you're automatically going to start fleeing the lust. And when you start pursuing, don't look back. When you start pursuing the Lord, keep your eye on Jesus. When you're pursuing, it's going to take all of your energy to do so because the enemy's going to want to try and trip you up. Listen, some of you are in the struggle of your life. You're fighting, you're warring, all these kinds of things. And you know what your answer is? Just run. The Bible said pursue righteousness and flee. Instead of sitting there wrestling and fighting all this stuff, just take off running, honey. Take off running. Some things cannot be won in the spiritual. Some, some victories are found by fleeing from them. Am I making sense? Some victories in the spirit, you've got to quit fighting and you've got to start running toward the Lord himself. He is your stronghold in the day of trouble. Run from the filth of the world and pursue Jesus. Keep pursuing the word. Keep pursuing church. Keep praying like never before. Keep asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to be, to be so today. I don't know how in the world people are going to make it without the Holy Spirit in you. Because the more you pursue the things of God, the more you will automatically flee the things of the world. Don't compromise with, thank God Jesus didn't halfway compromise. Thank God that Jesus didn't like halfway die on the cross. Boy, I almost died. Come up off the cross. No, thank God he didn't halfway rise from the dead for you. No, he stuck it out for the reward that was before him. And when he had paid the price and gave his life, he gave his all for you. How should we not also give our all for the Lord? How many of you, when you stand before the Lord one day, want him to look at you and say, well done? Raise your hand. Where you want him to say, well done. 
as opposed to him saying, well, it could have been better. Man, if you would have just stuck it out here, you see these blessings that you would have had? Is this okay? God's been way too good to us to think that I'm too good for him with halfway worship. With halfway praise. With halfway thanks. He deserves it all. It's going to be worth it. If we'll stick it out, he's going to show, he's going to prove that it's going to be worth it. I want everyone to stand all across this place, if you would, please. I want to read a portion of this to you. Earlier verses in the main text that I read to you at the beginning of service that said this, and I want you to just take this into your heart right now. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. As I'm reading this, I want you to pray, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me internalize this word. He said, remember the early days after you first saw the light. Those were the hard times when you're kicked around in public, you're targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you. Some days it was your friends. If some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your good, you let them go with a smile, knowing that they could not touch your real treasure. What's your real treasure? He goes on to say this, that nothing they did bothered you. Nothing set you back. Nothing sets you back in your walk with the Lord. And he goes on and he says this, so don't throw it all away now. Don't throw it all away. Listen to the text. It speaks of hard times. It speaks of abuse. It even speaks of prison, difficulties of every kind. How many of you are in difficulties of every kind? Raise your hand. Difficulties of every kind. You say, well, how could they endure such pain? Because of a sure thing that is coming. A sure thing that is coming is what kept them in the fight. It's an imperishable reward that's coming. The writer of Hebrews was reminding them of their past, not to discourage them and to get them to think about their sufferings and everything that they lost, but he wanted them to compare it to the real treasure that's coming. He's saying, you just compare that stuff that was taken from you and, and that you sacrificed and that you suffered and lost, and you compare that to what's coming. It's not worthy. It, don't, don't even play that game. It's not even worthy of it. Listen, this is what the Lord spoke to my heart. This is the way of closing here is that some of you, you are stuck in the past. You're stuck in past traumas. You're stuck in strongholds that have been hanging on to you for a long time. You've allowed the, the past to blackmail your future. You're allowing your past to speak over your future. And some of you, you're looking at what that passage we read where it talks about some of you are ready to just throw in the towel. There is a sure thing coming. It won't be long now. He's on his way. The Bible says that he could show up at almost any minute. Can you imagine what it's going to be like for some people? God forbid anybody in this church. Can you imagine what it's going to be like for some people someday? The rapture happens. And people just, you know, a day or two before, whatever, just got so mad and frustrated with life, they just turned their back on the Lord. And all of a sudden, the Lord rapture us out of this place. And they realized, if I had just hold on, held on a little longer, if I had just held on, instead of forsaking God and getting mad at God and turning their back on, back on God and, and denying Him and rejecting Him, listen, I know life can be hard. Is it okay to say that? Life can be hard. Life can be difficult. But I want you to know that there is a sure thing coming. There is a reward 
on its way. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, If you know what I'm talking about, and some of you are saying, Josh, it's, I, 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 I just keep reliving this trauma. I just I keep going through these difficulties. I'm just so mad. I'm just so angry. I'm just so upset. I'm just, I'm just fatigued, and I'm tired, and I'm worn out, and I'm ready to just throw it all in. I've been doing this thing week after week after week, month after month. I'm tired of it. There's never any breakthrough. There's, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Keep it up. Church hands are going up all over the place. Come on, raise them high. There ain't nobody looking. Raise it high. From the back to the front, there's hands going up everywhere. I want to encourage you. Come on. Come on up here to the front. Come on up here to the front. We're going to pray with you. We got time. It's only a quarter tail. We're not going to, we're not going to keep you long today. Come on up. Stand up here around the front. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the laying on of hands. We believe in the anointing with oil. We believe in these things. This is part of the struggle. This is part of the fight. This is part of the warfare where a like-minded church of believers comes and we pray for you and we gather for you and we help you fight. Is this okay, church? Some of you are up here for different reasons. Some maybe it's physical things. Some maybe it's financial things. Some maybe it's mental things. Some maybe it's spiritual battles that, that's going on that nobody else really knows about. Whatever your struggle is, listen, we've all been there. Amen. We've all been there. But there is a sure thing coming. Church, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to want you to extend your hands this way. Can I get some prayer warriors? This is serious business for just a few minutes. This is serious business for a few minutes. Can I get some prayer warriors? Different, different needs, all kinds of different issues going on up here. We've all been there. We've all struggled with them. We've all battled them. It's close.
this place I, I you know I feel like in the history of this world it's the bottom of the ninth I feel like I feel like things are about to close down and I feel like there's some people that just they're just on that that edge they're on that knife's edge and they're warring within themselves is it going to be worth it? yes it's going to be worth it you got to stick it out because there's going to be a, a promise that's going to come to pass, I believe for many of you in the here and now, but certainly when we get to heaven one day. How many of you ready for the Lord to do some here and now stuff? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we want to have loyal trust unto you loyal trust complete total trust especially in this day and age you're, you're, you're calling it from us God you're demanding it from us it's painful it hurts at times but you're calling us to it but it's for a, a, a it's for an expected end some of you, the wars and the struggles that you're going through, I'm telling you, I know I'm being repetitive. I feel this in my soul. God, the, the reason you are where you are in some of these struggles is because God is working His glory into your life. And if you will allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in these moments, even when they're difficult, even when they're hard, even when they're painful, the glory of God is going to shine through your life in the here and now. In Jesus' mighty name. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're dismissed. God bless you. Thank you for coming.